Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast, along with my partners, Brian Siegler, Shelton Moss, and Jonathan Talley. I am Curtis Wilson, and this episode is brought to you by Dr. Jeremy Counts at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, your friendly neighborhood pharmacy, 301 South Main Street in Blacksburg. Boys, it happened to me a few minutes ago, evening LeVar, my power's flickering, which means I might lose internet service, so y'all better be on your P's and Q's already on that shit. We gonna hold it down. We gonna hold it down too. You might lose it too. Weather acting crazy here. It's a November rain here, and that is the best '90s ballad. Treadmill horse. I know you're out there listening tonight. That is the best '90s ballad. At least the ones you listed. At least the ones you listed. (laughs) So how's everybody doing? It's Tuesday. It's been raining all day, man. I've been. uh, This is this is my one and only day of work this week. So. You worked I, one day. I worked one day. I was working from home today, pretty much making sure that there weren't any fires that needed putting out um, since it was just, I think, one other person on our team that was kind of hanging in there. So uh, just just there to provide backup and, you know, make sure nothing goes crazy. Uh, All right. Sheldon, what thankfully, about you? thankfully, nothing went crazy. So, Sheldon, what about you? I see you're still in Charlotte. You in Charlotte for the holidays? Yeah, so I'm I'm in North Carolina for the holiday. I was gonna go to uh, my my family house and uh, my cousin's house in in Apex, North Carolina. So still staying in the Tar Heel State, but uh, gonna enjoy the weekend. And then I'll be in Tampa, Florida this Saturday for the Charlotte football game they're playing down at South Florida. So gonna go see Raymond James Stadium, home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Looking forward to it. Go find the pirate ship. Go find the pirate ship. Tally, what about you, man? How's the day been? Been pretty good, man. You know, it's Thanksgiving week. Time to eat, drink, be merry, all of that stuff. Find you some good moonshine. You may need it. We don't know who you're rooting for. I don't know who you're betting on, but moonshine will make it much better. 
I was telling Tally before we got on, Curtis, that uh, tomorrow night is the drunkest night of the year in, in the United States of America. It is. More people drink on the day before Thanksgiving than any other night of the week of the year. So uh, very true. Get get ready. Um, get, get like Tally said. Get you some moonshine. Get you something nice and uh, nice to keep you warm. Maybe we should have uh, pivoted to tomorrow night. We could have got drunk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do it again. I can get drunk because I'm not working tomorrow. But you know, no, I'm working tomorrow. We already got like we already got the phone call. Like, uh, yeah, work work a little while. You can leave a little bit early. One thirty-two. You could kind of just start yeah, yeah, heading on, on out the out the building. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Lots to unload tonight, y'all. Obviously, Hokies lose, as Brian said. <laughs> The closest blowout ever, 35-28 against the Wolfpack on Saturday afternoon. Um, So we're going to definitely be talking about that. We're definitely going to tell the truth Tuesday. We are also going to be breaking down UVA, a little hate week here. A lot of hate pouring out. A lot of hate started with their fucking loudmouth quarterback on Saturday afternoon. Um, it better be in every even, fucking locker room with that every, defense. Everybody's, everybody's, everybody's. Put a little thing. But let's flip news and notes before we uh, kick over to Tell the Truth Tuesday. I want to start with hoops and let's talk about men's basketball. They downed Wofford just the other night by, I believe, 20-plus. I saw bits and pieces of that game. Boise, they shot well. They, what a shocker. Boise tomorrow or Thanksgiving night and then Auburn Lumen next week. I'm going to kick it to all of y'all. If the Hokies go blank, they will have a good season over the next in, two. In those games? In those two games. It's so hard to say in basketball because that doesn't matter until conference play starts. Like, that's where you figure out who your team is. So, if right. we had to put something on it, one and one. Okay. Shelton. Even if they if they go 0-2, oh I don't think it defines the season. I think they got to win two. I mean, I'm just projecting for the ACC tournament because they don't really have a ton of opportunities for quality wins, assuming they don't beat Auburn. So it depends. I don't. I don't know. It depends how the ACC stacks up in terms of how they're projected with the the net rankings and all that stuff. I don't know if it's going to be a perceived as a great conference. So because of that, Tech has to do well in non-con. So I think it's a pretty big. I think it's a pretty big tournament. Okay. So yeah, I, I think it's a two and zero situation too, for the same reason Sheldon said. Um, this is where you got to build your resume. This is the time to do it. Um, you know, I don't, as, as Sheldon said, I don't think the ACC is perceived as a good conference. It, it's going to depend on how in that kind of second tier uh, they fall. Um, so that that's really going to kind of determine the strength there. So um, getting all the wins you can in the non-con is going to be very important. Let's go two and zero. Let's, let's take this into uh, December on a, on a high note here. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with y'all. Um, I think it has to be two and zero. If anything, it's to build the confidence to play again. Boise perceived as a good team. Oh, they lost by 17 to Clemson just the other night. And Auburn is a good team. I, I think it's confidence because after those games, they basically have um, the following week they open conference play with Louisville. So if you go in there, you go one and one or zero and two. I mean, the confidence is going to be down. This team needs the confidence, A, because of what Tally, I think what y'all said. This is a shooting team. They're a shooting team. Shooters need confidence. So let's see how that shakes out. It is uh, Thursday night at 8 o'clock, so I'll be watching the Niners here, the Hokies here. 
All right, women's, they struggled a little bit with UNCG. They've got a couple of Kansas, then Tulane this weekend, Friday and Saturday, LSU looming next week. Um, I don't – y'all y'all tell me. Not until we get to the LSU game, are you worried? Like, honestly. And, I mean, are y'all worried about any of these teams coming up? I mean – No, I mean, I wouldn't call them necessarily a warm-up, but there's certainly not, a, not any teams that are going to, I think, press us wall-to-wall. So well, LSU yeah. got some bullshit going on down there right oh, now God. too. So yeah, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe we can, you know, sneak around and uh, blow them out. Uh, Angel Reese not dressing out for a game or got benched or something. We got all kind of stuff going on early this season. Yeah, and that's not helping them gel with you know a couple new pieces that they brought in. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they you know able to put those pieces together between now and then and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I still like our chances regardless. Um, they definitely play a more physical brand of basketball than we do. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if we can match that. That that was a problem in the tournament last year. It was. Mm-hmm. So, it was. you know, if, if we can either, you know, get a lead where that becomes less of a problem or, um, you know, at least match some of that energy to kind of offset that a little bit, I think we'll be all right. Sean, anything on this? They'll be fine. I think, uh, I think Kansas will be a good test, and we'll see when they when they get there. But kind of like what Ty was saying, like non-conference games, especially for this team, just not the biggest deal in the world. Like they, we know that they're going to be a high seed. Yeah. So it'd be it'd be nice to win, obviously for the resume, and you know maybe for uh, for the social media right bragging rights as well. But it's bragging rights. It. It's confidence too, and as much as that, people, you know, we're we're down about the Iowa loss. You're playing with one of the best teams in the country. You're right there. Go to LSU, get that win, and just you know, just keep the building, keep building. Yes, we have been waiting to watch that since this Saturday. Uh, Hokie Nation five four two three. One more piece, or one more piece, Hokie wise, and I got to turn to one other thing, college football wise. Wrestling, big win up at Piscataway. They take out the number fifteen Rutgers uh, Scarlet Knights. That was a good win on Friday, and over the weekend, the Keystone Classic. It, Wrestling's crazy because there's another thing going on tonight up at Penn State. I was reading, like where, like some of the best in the country are competing. It's like an all-star thing. That shit's crazy. But Keystone Classic up in Penn. Caleb Henson won. Bryce Adon Adonian won. Andy Smith won. Hunter Cackle won. They take four championships up there, um, which is pretty daggum good. Um, and it's much like women's basketball, right? Kind of the way we view it. It's like we're going to be good. We're going to send people to the nationals. We're going to compete for the ACC title. It's just I like to just see the accolades, right? Because when you see those guys winning the tournaments, having a good having a good duel, it's like this is the confidence we need for some of those guys. Yeah, I think it's all about building up that confidence and kind of taking some of those um, that momentum into the conference time uh, and seeing how you can build off of that. All righty. Y'all got anything on the wrestling? Nothing. Sheldon, Allie. Oh, all right. One piece. I tell y'all, I keep up with hirings and firings. Dino Babers got fired the other day up at Syracuse. And now the run of the muck of how many people are interested in that job is going up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two more pieces actually. I, I mean, I guess if you're a long tenured OC or DC and they offer you a job, you take it, right? 
Right. I mean, who can who can win at Syracuse? It's a tough job. It's a tough yeah. job. You yeah. know, it's just a tough football job. So, not talking shit about them, but you it's know, true. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know who can win there. It's not the nineties anymore. It's not. Right. It's not, and and it's crazy to think if you go back and look in the history books that from like the mid '80s to the early 2000s, they were a legitimate top 25 program year mm-hmm. in, year out. Um, you know, we had our wars with them. Everybody always was it 97, 97 game always hurts a little bit. All right, one more piece, um, and uh, everybody follows it, saw it. I mean, it, the, the tea leaves have been there for the last about six weeks. But Marcellus Barnes Jr. decommits um, over the weekend, officially puts it out there. Um, I think for I think for us us four here, it's not a shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once once Georgia was starting to push hard, you kind of got a feeling that that was gonna go the way it did. Um, it's that's a hard one to win heads up. Um, you know, especially for a player that. You know, has is kind of that lower. You know, from a ranking standpoint, that you know high three, low four. Like getting that offer is pretty big for him. So, um, you know, best of luck to him. Um, you know, it looks like George is is the uh, is the go there. So, um, sucks, but I think we're we're, we're on to the next. So we'll see what uh, what comes down the pike here. What's even more important or more uh, interesting? Is as soon as he decommits, uh, his ranking shoots up. Shut I'm up! I'm just saying. Shut oh, up! Yeah. Ranking no ranking way. goes I'm, up. Hold on, I, uh, we need. Oh uh, yeah, dropped to a composite three before he decommitted, and then I think he's back to a composite four, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. He is. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's almost a ninety now. Yeah, I'm telling you. Where's Matei? Call Matei, everybody. I'm telling you, man. Hey, they have to pay for subscriptions one way or the other. When certain people start, when some people, when certain people start sneaking around, the rankings get a little bit different. We need this team to stay here. We need this team to stay here. We need this team to stay here. You know how it works, man. You conspiracy theory. You got a conspiracy theory. <laughs> <And> the conspiracy. <laughs> they keep showing us. I mean, they're making it easy. <laughs> make it. They make oh, it super man. easy. Oh, he decommits from Virginia Tech. His ranking goes up. What the fuck? If Georgia doesn't give him an offer, he comes back. Is he going back to an eighty-seven point seven five? Expeditiously. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about before he has to recommit. <clears throat> Sheldon, you got anything on this, man? I know it's tough to keep up with recruiting with all you're doing. Yeah, no, I just the only thing I would say, I saw someone on social media, and this happens a lot, say something like, Well, why would he, you know, go to Georgia when he could be like a star at VT? I think that's kind of a warped way of looking at it. I mean, you figure you go to Georgia, you've got the best coaches on the planet, best facilities, the the most exposure, NIL money, NFL draft opportunities. I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. So I just think it's um it's just a losing battle. They've got the money, they've yeah. got the the winning, the success. Just not something I'd overreact to too much. All right. Well, this has not been a very happy, and we're gonna get even unhappier here, and we gotta mm. tell the truth Tuesday. Um and, you know, y'all know the way we do this. We're always going to start with what went well. And I'll fire this one right out. The the, the boys didn't quit the whole game. No. We were down down, down like, 21 and uh, fight all the way. 
What else y'all got? Anything else y'all noticed before we jump on the offensive, defensive sides of the ball, just kind of in general about this game? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Drone can throw the ball. I mean. Oh, yeah. Home I don't run. know if he's developed into that, but uh, he definitely can throw it. So, I was told earlier in the season that oh, he was yeah. he was struggling. <laughs> he was struggling throwing the throwing the deep pass. So, I'm just saying he's progressed if that's what the case is. Well, for sure. I mean, you take a look at what he did. I mean, those home run pass plays, like, I mean, he he, he is – every time you see him take those – he puts them in the right spots. He, he and knock on wood, damn it. He is not an underthrower on a deep shot. He's not. He puts it over their head, and that's why you've seen so many drops in the. He put it right here. Hogan Nation putting you up here. He drops the dime, or it's going to be slightly out of reach. That's the one good thing. Brian, anything else that impressed you with the offense or anything like that on Saturday? I mean, I'd say his patience more than anything, waiting for those routes to develop and come open and trusting the pass pro was going to give him enough time uh, against that pass rush. Um, you know, there were a lot of times where, you know, things had to develop on the back end for some of those big plays to happen. So you had some patience there, um, was able to deliver accurate balls consistently, uh, and we were able to move the move the rock once we kind of got into that, catch-up mode, unfortunately, which is kind of, you know, not not the game plan we had out the gate, obviously. Yeah, and we're going to get into the game plan out of the gate. Um, Can I say another thing? XTB is fast. Yeah, he's very fast. I mean, and and that was was such a great pivot play at that point in time in the game because, and I'm going to mention this in a little while here, but when we ran that play to the boundary side, I mean, everybody from NC State flowed. And when that thing came back, they did not see that coming. They did not see that coming at all. Sean, anything on offense you can think of that went well in your eyes watching it, reading over data, anything? I mean, I think it was it was a hard game to analyze because the box score stats, in my opinion, kind of softened up what – you know, we pass on the field. Obviously, Tech couldn't get the run game going, so they had to kind of play from behind. And once NC State got that three-touchdown lead, they kind of went into a little bit of a shell, turtled up, so to speak. And that's when the, the passing, you know, the passing kind of opened up. So I don't know if it was just them playing prevent. Obviously, I liked what I saw in the fourth quarter from, from Drones, the passing game. I liked how they had some big plays and they struck back when you know, NC State scored touchdowns. But I just don't know. It's hard because I don't know how NC State would have played differently if they had only had a one touchdown lead rather than a three touchdown lead. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. All righty. Now let's go to defensive side of the ball because I'm, I will be honest with y'all. I was the way I watched this game was very awkward. Followed on my phone the first half. Unfortunately, most of the third quarter I had to listen to NC State radio calls, <laughs> and Robert and I was calling a perfect game, y'all. I heard that like six times. I had to turn the radio off twice because I got sick to my stomach. Luckily, about the time I hit Chase City, Brian, the exit there, thank God I picked up Bill and uh, Mike the rest of the drive home. But <laughs> And then I came home and I watched a game, and on defense, I – like every nothing was right. Like the the play calls were bad. They were out of position. They looked lost. 
Do y'all have anything defensively, honestly? Uh, Delane hit somebody hard. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I mean, trying to trying to find something. I mean, we right. We never really got into a groove defensively. Like they they had us on our heels most of the game, and I mean. You know, in the second half, I mean, obviously they kind of went a little more conservative. That was the only time we looked like anything. But again, that was more a product of their uh, game plan than it was anything that we did significantly well. Um, right. So that that was the most, you know, that that was disappointing. And I mean, I don't really think I can't really think of anything that I saw that really stood out to me that's like, yeah, that was good. I mean, D line play was all right. That's it. <laughs> it. But it wasn't spectacular. And then what was happening on the back end, it needed to be spectacular, and it wasn't. All right, well, let's just jump to it. Let's go to what went bad. And I'm going to start with defense. And, Sheldon, I don't know if you were able to pull this, but did were you able to find what Wolfpack's normal success rate is versus what it was Saturday? Yeah, so coming to the game, it was around 39%, which ranked 96. This game is about 46%. So – Plus 7% increase, kind of pretty significant in the context of success rates. I think average is around like 40%, something like that. Um, but there was also there was also a big discrepancy in terms of standard downs or passing downs. So obviously standard downs, like your first and tens, where you could either run or pass the ball. And see say 54% there on passing downs, they're only about half as successful. So basically when whenever tech was not whenever tech did not force nc state into an obvious passing situation that's when they really struggled and that's kind of what we what i know brian and i mentioned in our preview was like you've got to get them into passing downs and 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 when they did it worked but they just couldn't do it enough all right brian what else tally what else one of y'all speak up what else did y'all see that went bad in your eyes because obviously we just had a moment of silence up there because not that much went good (laughs) i mean concepcion cooked us a bunch of times man um, you know, some of it was on those those passing downs. Some of it was uh, in the run game. Some of it was just those quick screens. So, I mean, he did a little bit of everything, and, and pretty much all of it hurt us at yeah, different parts of the game. Down. Yeah. He did whatever he wanted to do. I mean, he paid his, his, he paid his $100 to the neighborhood hooker, and he <laughs> did whatever he wanted to do for the night. That's what happened. <laughs> I'm just telling you, Brian. That what? is at twenty two forty four. If you <laughs> we we didn't get off we didn't get off the field on third downs at all, like no. we needed to. We did. Um, I mean, it's the same stuff. When we play bad, it's the same things. It's like again, this team is so up and down. You look at the same stuff week in and week out, whether it's good or bad. When it's good, it's good, but when it's bad, it's bad. You know, the run fits are horrible. We don't get off the field on third downs when we need to. You know, we uh, – penalties, just whatever, man. It's just yep. the same stuff, and people get tired of seeing it. And I get it. I understand everybody watching. Everybody, if you're watching this later on, if you're at work, if you're at church, calm down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I get it. You deserve to be mad, but you didn't had a couple of days – Nobody's getting fired, so don't even get your blood pressure up because they ain't getting fired. You know, do they need to be fired? Well, we saying they need to be fired when we blowing people out. Like, we got to take a whole body of work and look at 
what we need, where we were last year, where we are this year, what we need to be next year. It's a lot of stuff to think about, man. You start talking about firing people and just bringing new people in, then you fucking end up like Texas A&M paying a man $76 million to be the same shit you've been. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Use the same yeah, shit you've been. You just added some salt on top. Yeah. And the salt was him being mad at Nick Saban every week. So that I'm is. just saying, man, I ain't saying that, you know, the coaches don't need to be scrutinized, but I'm not going to go into the whole, let's fire the whole coaching staff every week until yeah. we actually have something that is going to make us better. Well, I mean, I, I'm, the, I'm the type of person that, you know, when, when you're, when you're looking at something, I need to see what you can do, what you can do for me, what you can show me before I'm going to show you the door. Yeah. And I don't think we're quite at that point yet with, with anybody on this staff, obviously definitely not the head coach, but I, th- no. I think we're, I think we're still waiting to see where the, where the ceiling could potentially be. And and, and this is year two of what, you know, was going to be a multiple year rebuild. Right. We're, we're talking about a team that, has shown improvement, but what, what they're struggling with is consistency. That's the truth. And the thing is, it happened, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring us back to where we were because I'm agreeing with both of y'all on what y'all are saying. But what was frustrating Saturday, and in, in the most frustrating, A, this is a May offense. This was not that good of an offense. Sheldon had the numbers where they ranked in the country. Not a good, successful offense. A May offense. There are two guys that could beat you. We already mentioned Conception. He beat us. He torched our asses. The other guy was Brennan Armstrong. And Brennan Armstrong had his fucking day. He ran for, if you had encountered those knees at the end, he went for well over 100 rushing the ball. A lot mm-hmm. of was the Zions. And I think what got me a little bit, and I'm going to pitch it to Sheldon here in a second, was the first couple drives we kind of pegged them. We kind of had what their number. And then they adjusted. Mm-hmm. And we didn't. And yep. they scored on five, and I had to hear that from NC State as well when I was listening on the damn radio. Five drives in a row, they scored a touchdown, and it's just yep. like that's you just the can't battle. give. Yeah, you can't give that up and don't answer. No, you know you get your defense to go out, and you know I know I seen a lot of people saying fire Mars. You know, maybe one day he deserves to be fired, but against Syracuse, I'm just saying like what it what. You 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 in a zero zero game going into the second second quarter, mm-hmm. you know your offense has to produce, man. You're at home, you gotta bring some, you gotta bring some juice, you gotta adjust. So uh, I ain't saying that the de- the defense had a good day. I'm just saying it's a it's a collective effort to suck, yeah. and that's what we did. Let me ask yeah. Sheldon, can I pitch to Sheldon real quick? Because Sheldon looked up. The one thing I was more concerned about every time you said the defensive line didn't have a had an okay game in your eyes, Brian, when you looked at the tape. I asked Shelton to look up yards before contact. What was that, Shelton? Did you get to it about how much it was pre-contact? Before contact, yeah, it was probably about, uh, let's say, 55 yards. So think about that. 55 yards. They ran about 40 run plays. It was a yard and a half before we were touching them on average. A yard and a half. Y'all two boys played up on that front. If you're getting a yard and a half push, how's your running game going to do that day? Pretty good. I mean, you if you can get three yards of carry, you're all right. You know what I'm saying? 
So Thanks. we're saying right there with that stat that he pulled up that before they got touched a yard and a half. And when I started looking more and more, our drops were crazy back for some of the linebackers, like way off the line. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it because, Brian, you joked last week, and it's the God honest truth. Brendan Armstrong doesn't have the ball, the arm to push the ball <clears> downfield. <throat> he doesn't. He never has. So by the way we had our defense, and this is where I'm frustrated with Marv, it's like the only way he could beat you is give him soft zones and give him some sort of run lanes. The two things you couldn't do, we laid on the platter for him. And that's what makes me mad because I sit here as a common football fan. I talk to y'all, I ask Sheldon about data, and I say, you telling me this, play press, stack the box a little bit. Make them go over the top on you. Force that they can get off the press. And we didn't do that. And we have three really good cornerbacks. And I know we've got to have some at safety right now. But we have three really good cornerbacks. And that's what pisses me off. And it's like, what's going to happen if someone leaves? What's going to happen if the next guy doesn't develop quite well? Then it's going to be on Chris Marv. Right. Anything else on defense? I'm sorry. I got in my bag. Uh, you good. I, I mean, the, the last thing I'm going to say is that, you know, we said trick plays were coming. They came. They worked. It kind of sucked that, you know, All we weren't able to do anything with it. Every single trick play they ran worked. It's <laughs> bad, man. And again, that's bad. But, but that's where it's like, I don't believe in firing. No, Chris Moore, Tyler Bowen, nobody's getting fired this year. Because there's been at times where, again, you've seen, all right, looks like they know what the hell they're doing. Good calls. And some people say, well, that's against lesser competition. Tally, I go back to what you said earlier this year. You were talking about when lose by a lot, lose by a little, win by a little, start winning by more. Mm-hmm. The scenario this year is lose to the best three teams in the conference, beat up on the bottom of the conference. And not, and not win by three points, win by four points beat up the bottom of the conference. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the weird thing is that the with the ACC, there's there really hasn't been a measuring stick. It's either been, you know, you know not, not playing UNC and not playing a couple other teams like that, Georgia Tech, you know. Miami. Miami. There hasn't been a lot of middle-tier teams on our schedule. It's yep. either been bottom five or top three. Right. So, and we're getting another bottom five this week. So, right. it, it's it's been really hard to get a barometer of where exactly this team is. We know we're not a bad team, but we don't know how decent of a team we are. Right. Sheldon, anything else on the defense before we wrap this up? Yeah, so I, I was having a conversation with one of my coaching buddies who, who knows a ton about scheme, and I trust his opinion. And I think basically what he laid out to me was when you look at the linebacker play for Virginia Tech, you see – the same issues with regards to force and spill and lever over and over and over again from the same players. And so I think it's reasonable to question if this is a coaching problem, given that it keeps happening over and over again. Mm -hmm. But what he also said was, and I agree with this, I I think that that whole linebacker room needs a makeover. I just, I don't think those guys have the instincts. We're playing a bunch of converted safeties. Now, if we get some studs coming in next year and we still have the same problems, then it's definitely a coaching issue. But I just, I would like to see, a, a, a Marv coach team that has guys with, with instincts and a good feel for that position. Yeah. Cause when you look at, <clears throat> you look at the conference, man, and no disrespect to our guys, but 
I think they're working hard, but like Sheldon said, I mean, we got a lot of converted safeties in the linebackers. You know what I mean? And converted wide receivers. When you you look at a linebacker, Virginia has a true freshman linebacker. Cam Robinson is a linebacker. Peyton Wilson is a linebacker. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is much different to have somebody like that playing linebacker than even to have Kelly Lawson. And I think, you know, I think Kelly Lawson's a good player, but as good as he may be for us, there's still a drop-off from – a top linebacker. We just don't have that play yet. Alan Tinsdale, hey, man, time to be a family man. Join us. Come on the podcast. Put you some earphones on. You don't got to go out there and get beat up no more. It's over. You know, think, come on up in here. And I think what y'all – it's what's being reflected here before we move over to the offensive side of the ball is that linebacker position, it's instincts. Most guys who play that position don't move. You are a linebacker mostly all of your life. That's it. Because what it takes to be that, it is a certain skill set. What what, what, what Tally's saying is, can we just get him Andrew Tapapuaka at middle linebacker and name a, name a will? You don't have to name the best will we've had, but name a solid will. Can he do good? So, yeah. By the way, the only player we, we see having good games on the linebacker core is Jenkins. And why? Why you want to, in my opinion, because a star is a true hybrid safety linebacker. Right. Keonta was a safety. It's more of his wheelhouse. All right, let's go to the offensive side of the ball. Um, anybody that wants to answer this question, why did it take so long for us to open passing game downfield? Why? Because it worked. Two. Oh, go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say, I feel like, you know, we, we talk about this a, a lot on here that we're a little late with the pivots in scrapping the game plan, moving away from the script, all that stuff. After your first two drives of not having success, you need to mix it up. You need to do something different. You need to go to something different. You don't wait till you're down 14 before you start, you know, dialing stuff up. Because that, that's what happened. Yes, we went down there. We got a big play uh, to XTB on that reverse after the big uh, kickoff return. Got it back to a touchdown, but then we didn't see the ball for like the next 10 minutes because they had a long drive, scored before half, came out, scored again to open the half on like a seven-minute drive. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was it was a long time before we saw the ball again, and we were down 21 by the time we did. Yep. What you got, Tally? I mean, similar to what we talked about, you know, in some of the other games, it's like the coaching staff looks at the team and they go, yeah, this is going to be a rough one for us. Let's see what happens and, you know, we'll go from there, you know, pick our spots and things. Like when you play on a team and you're not – I know we were favorites, but North Carolina State was the better team to me. I mean, we essentially had the home hook. I mean, it was a a pick Yeah, it was a pick To me, it's like – when you look at stuff like that, you got to come out swinging, man. You know what I'm saying? You got to take some shots. You got to hope some good stuff happens. You got to send some people. Got to blitz some people. And, and and if they beat you, they beat you. You yeah. lose it anyway. You know when you're playing the top team. So um, I just uh, I think Curtis said before we got on, when you get young coordinators, they're like super conservative, or they're super like risky. Yep. You know? 
you got to be a good mix of both and figure out what team you have to figure out what works for you. But both of our coordinators are like super conservative. It's like that stick is so far in their ass. That <laughs> you can open uh, their mouth and, and, and thump it. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, man. You got to, you got to do some stuff different. But again, depending on who we play, who we play, they call the, they call the games different. So it's true. But you've also, and, and that's where I like what y'all are saying here because you've seen those games where we didn't divert from the plan. And the next thing you know, the next drive, four plays, touchdown. Right? And then the drive after that, we drive deep, get a field goal. Then the next one, we get on plus side, we punt and put them inside a 10. It feels like to me it's like they have this whole of, I know it's eventually going to work. I know it's eventually going to work until coach probably goes, beep, this shit ain't working. Do something different. Okay? Click. The other part I want to say is, and y'all, maybe it's my eyes deceiving me, and, and y'all can disagree. I felt like NC State had some of our plays absolutely pegged. Mm-hmm. Pegged. The XTB play, that was like a – was it a toss? toss? It was like a toss left, right, and they reversed it. Watch how they flow. Like, oh, we know exactly what they're doing. And when you pivoted – Nobody was. I mean, there. they're a well-coached defense. I mean, I, you they expect are. that from a well-coached defense, and that's exactly what they got. I mean, um, you know, you look at what Wilson was doing. I mean, he was all over the damn place. I mean, he was even on that play that you were talking about. Uh, he was, he was, he was almost walking down XTB. I mean, he was the second fastest player on the field yeah. on that play. So, I mean, it, it's it's frustrating because you feel like. When this team does have some early early success, the coordinator has shown that he's he's he'll let his nuts hang a little bit. But when it doesn't work out the gate, it takes a little bit too long to move on to something different. I mean, I, you don't have to wholesale abandon your game plan to throw in a handful of new wrinkles to give them something different to look at and something different to worry about. And I'll I'll go ahead and mention it here since it's on the screen there. Uh, Rex Parker said two to three touches for two and big mistake again. Yeah, I know some of that was dictated by the game plan, but you still got to get you, you know one of your three ball. or four best players on the field involved in the offensive game plan. You got to get him the ball. You know, if it's nothing but just for him to have some confidence for the next game, you got to get him the ball. You got to attempt to get him the ball. Sheldon, let me ask this, though, because it wasn't a huge sample size, but how bad were the run grades for the offensive line? Yeah, so we can go through them. Um... Obviously, we didn't run much, like you said. Parker Clements was the best, actually, surprisingly enough, at 68. And then around average, you got Braylon Moore around 63. Xavier Chaplin's 60. So those are those are the passing grades. And then below that, Brody Meadows was not great at 50.5. And then last was Caden Moore at, at about 50. So kind of some some up and down there. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought it was going to be a lot worse, but maybe that small sample size saved them. Um, but we... we Again, it's the up and downs. And I had someone reach out to me and like, got to make a change. And I was like, <clears throat> and I made the point on the offensive line. You have three freshmen getting massive play time, right? Massive. You have a guy switching positions. And we've, I know we've mentioned this before, y'all. Y'all, y'all heard this from us before. And there are two guys that at best should be your death pieces, not frontline starters. Mm-hmm. That's just the truth. Um, and 
and, and now that they are much older, it's like if if we do not. I will be disappointed in this staff if we do not go out and get at least one. I'd prefer two offensive linemen in the portal once it opens up in the Yeah, you need to, but we I get to. what you're saying. We yeah. need to. We need to. <coughs> All right. Excuse me, y'all. Don't die, man. Don't die. Not on air. I don't know what happened. Woo! All right, so anything happened Saturday, y'all were not prepared for. I'll kick it over to Siegler first. Uh, I'd say just our general inability to stop that offense consistently. I thought we would have no problem, especially in the passing game, kind of slowing them down a little bit. And they kind of did whatever they want to most of the game until they got into that uh, protect the lead type offense there in the late third, early fourth quarter. All right. Tally, what about you? Brendan Armstrong turning into Cam Newton. <laughs> Well, we had him looking like just letting him fall forward, do what he want, uh, do backflips, put his hand in his ass, throw it in there. He just did whatever he wanted to do. Our defense, nobody hit nobody. Nobody. I mean, it's just a bad showing, you know. We just, I guess, to sit to sum it up, we didn't quit, which is good. Well, we talked about it in the beginning, but I don't feel like we had fight, you know. I don't feel like we had the fight that we normally have. It's like. We were defeated as soon as they punched us in the mouth. You know, Peyton Wilson was talking shit. You didn't have too many people saying nothing back. You know, it's just, oh, shit, he good. We can't fuck with him. Oh, you got to hit that motherfucker just like you hit everybody else. But we didn't see that. We didn't see that Saturday. So we'll see. Sheldon, what about you? Yeah, I was most surprised, disappointed with how poorly they stopped Brandon Armstrong running the football I know he's a good runner. I don't mean to take anything away from him, but his running numbers are down for the previous years. And I thought that Tech did a fantastic job defending the run against Garrett Trader, against Syracuse, and also Cassianos with BC. So mm-hmm. it was definitely a surprise that, that they struggled so much when they when they had success against other quarterbacks. Brian, what you got? You had something to lay on top of the tally there. Yeah, I was just uh, I was frustrated in general with uh, you know we said it at the at the open like that was the closest blowout I've ever seen. It was. Yeah. Um, and it was frustrating because, like Tally said, we got punched in the mouth early, and it took us way too long to take that shit seriously. Yeah. And I felt like it was really the fourth quarter. There was some fight in the fourth quarter where I felt like we really started punching back a little bit. Right. But it, it just took too long to get to that point. And oh, no, I'm going to go – hold on. I'm going to go with – Andretti nailed it here because that is coaching. Yeah. To get your guys and up to do it. I will say that it's coaching to get your guys up to do it, but I also will say coming from a player that's played and then watching my son, you can coach a you can coach a kid as much as you want. You can get them hyped during the when they get in the game and somebody hits them and they stand over them and they don't get up and push them off, or their teammates don't come over and help them get up. That's on the that's on the players. Now the coach might go back and evaluate for him and be like, "Hey, when you when your quarterback's down line, you got to go pick him up." You know that should already be instilled in you. But it's like some games we just we get we don't we get in some kind of mold and we don't think about it. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like you know somebody hits you and they 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 flex over you. Nobody comes up to 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 help the guy up or push the guy off of him. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I don't think we have enough dogs in the uh, in the trenches yeah. on offense. You got to have some heart. You got to have some heart yourself. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. But I do agree, Andretti. It is coaching. It is coaching on that. The one thing I'm gonna say, I was not prepared for. I was not prepared for this game getting over sixty combined points. If you tell me we lost a game and it was twenty to twenty-seven or twenty-one twenty-eight or something lower, I this game getting to sixty-three points just blew my mind because yeah. the way both defenses had played coming into it, and then how both offensive run offenses are ran. All right, y'all. It's only one week left, so what can we do better? Beat the shit out of UVA. That's it. That's all you got to do. You got you got one more game in front of you for a chance to play a bowl game. Against your rival at Lane Stadium North, there is no damn excuse <laughs> to drop this one. This is not a good football team. We're about to talk about them after we get, get back from the break here. Go handle your business. Yeah, it's rivalry week. <clears throat> Did I say that right? Rivalry you got week. it. You said it. Rivalry week. Yeah, it's rivalry week. You got to go play, man. You got to throw. You throw out the records. You throw out the stats. You throw out what everybody's done the rest of the year, and you just got to go play. I mean, that's what you can do better this week. Whatever ritual you got to have, wake them up at five o'clock. Throw water on them. Uh, tar and feather. I don't know what you need to do to get hype, but I do know they've already made some comments about. How they gonna beat you? When they beat you? They're gonna be back on a national stage to beat a fucking five and six team, whatever. But anyway, you gotta go and you gotta win. That's what you gotta do because you really do need that bowl game and you do need those extra practices. We do. And you need to you need to be able to recruit and tell people that hey, we're missing one piece. We're missing two pieces. We bring you in. We go from a bowl team to. Hell, you could be a playoff team. I ain't saying we're a playoff team, but look at Louisville. Next year, they'd be a playoff team. Yeah, 12 teams. Sheldon, you got anything? No, uh, look, just a win is a win, man. I mean, I don't – I expect it to be a dogfight this Saturday, and if they come out on top, that's all I care about. So just go into, go into the offseason with some momentum, some good mojo, and and, and you'll, we'll feel a lot better about – about this uh, this whole pride thing, we get a W this Saturday. You're absolutely right. To me, it's win. It is all that matters. And with saying that, we are going to take a quick pause from our digital partners and Main Street Pharmacy. I can probably save you a lot of money, and I can take a lot better care of you. That's pretty much it. My name is Jeremy Counts, and I'm a pharmacist. I own and operate Main Street Pharmacy here in downtown Blacksburg. My brother's a pharmacist. I'm a pharmacist. My uncle's a pharmacist. My dad's a pharmacist. I remember he would give me M&Ms to count in little pill counters. This is something I've always done, and I'm just lucky that what I know so well is something that I can do and feel good about it and give back to people. Pharmacies are your frontline defense. Pharmacy's job is to make sure you're getting optimal care for the lowest price possible. Also, we take the pressure off of emergency rooms. I'll tell people immediately when they need to go to the doctor, or I'll tell them if they just need a cream over the counter. If there's something that isn't commercially available, if it's something that's not available in a certain strength or a certain form or anything like that, we'll make it. Tailor-made medications. Some of those options save people a lot of money. What motivates me? I get to take care of people and live in Blacksburg. That's all I need. 
As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right, and we are back. And now let's get to go. It's a little hate week. Know the enemy as we take a look at the UVA Cavaliers. And we are going to flip to the offensive side of the football. As always, Brian, I give you the honor who we got running this show, and what do they do? Yeah, we got Dad's Kitchens running the show here. Uh, it's a pro, pro spread scheme, a lot of wide zone rushing concepts. Um, likes the deep ball a lot. You'll see play action very frequently as well. <laughs> Um, and they score most of their points in the first quarter, actually. When you look at this team, they've done very well, kind of out the gate their first one or two drives and then slowed down a whole bunch after that. So uh, that's something to watch for, obviously, with uh, with some of the up and down starts we've had, either slow starts or quick starts and not really a whole lot of steady eddy. Um, so that'll be something to pay attention to. All righty. Uh, Sheldon, you got anything on – Anything this offense does good? I mean, yeah, they've got really good wide receivers. Um, obviously, we'll talk about you know Malik Washington and Malachi Fields uh, very shortly. But I think it's an offense overall that struggled for the majority of the season, so that's why some of their metrics are so bad. But you do have to sort of use the eye test and look at what they've been doing in previous weeks. And look at Duke last week. They averaged about 6.3 yards per play, which was <clears throat> pretty impressive. Put up 30 points. So it's um it's a team that has misleading stats, I think. They have gotten significantly better over the past couple of weeks. All right, so misleading stats. And you already mentioned the first guy we're going to talk about here today, and that is Malik Washington. Um, beast. A beast. <laughs> Five foot nine, about 190 pounds. He was a transfer guy from Northwestern after everything that went up there when he originally came out of high school, Parkview High School, Lilburn, Georgia, class of 2019. He was ranked in an 86. And now at his time while he was up at Northwestern, he did have two solid production seasons there, um, both 20, um, <clears throat> excuse me, both 2021 and 2022 combined for 109 receptions with a little over 1200 yards there. But this season he is absolutely blown up 96 receptions, 1311 yards, nine touchdowns. Brian, what does he bring to the table? Yeah, he's kind of an all around slot guy. He's a deep threat and a yak threat. Um, they like to use him a lot in the screen game, quick pass game, but also they'll throw the ball deep to him. Um, very elusive in the open field. Um, definitely their biggest offensive threat by a mile. All right. And uh, Shelton, let's get a little bit of grades on Malik Washington's because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he is a Belitnikov semifinalist. Yep, he is really, really good. So highest graded wide receiver in the ACC at 91.2, which is insane. He has the highest reception percentage, so that's percentage of targets he catches, the highest yards per route run, most yards after catch, most first downs, all ACC. Damn. And he does not have a single drop the entire season. So that's his that's his body of work. He is a he is a exceptional wideout. Tally, what does he catch your eye with? Because you said beast as soon as I dropped his name. He's just good, man. He's tough. He's not very big, but he's just he looks like a running back, you know, like he's he's got a little bit of weight to him when he gets the ball like you said yards have to catch like 
He makes people miss. He's tough. He continues to run. He's not going down with one hit. So um, those DBs got the – I mean, we've talked about is our secondary good or, you know, our secondary stats may be misleading or not. No, there's been some arguments about that. So they'll have a chance to see because whoever's lined up against him, that motherfucker's coming for you. Yeah. Hell, we've <laughs> argued about it on here, man. Um, yeah. And – like you know, like you said, I mean, he he, he finishes runs. He kind of reminds me of like, uh, unfortunately, kind of a little bit of you know, Concepcion last week. Except you know, he's deep into his college career at this point, so he's a, he's a developed player. Whereas Concepcion's still a freshman and kind of getting his uh, his legs under him here a little bit. By the way, y'all know his. You know how many times he's been held under a hundred this year? Probably one. Twice. Yeah, no one, one was ninety seven. The other was the opening game against Tennessee, and he only had twenty nine yards. So definitely a beast there. And as is the other opposite of him, and that's um, excuse me, that's Malachi Fields, six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds. Um, came out of Monticello High School in Charlottesville. Staying like, home, baby. Ate legitimately. I mean, it might be six miles between the high school and where UVA is. He was a composite 82 coming out, um, just 48th in the state of Virginia. So, obviously, he has developed pretty well. And so far this season, he does not quite have the stats that his buddy has. But 52 catches, 722 yards, three touchdowns, Brian yeah, I mean, he's a little bit more one-dimensional than uh, than Malik is. Uh, primarily a deep threat. Um, most of those routes are ran past the 15 yards, but he he will also, um, they'll hit him on some of the short stuff, like the, uh, the quick hitters. They'll also go with, like, you know, the hooks and curls um, to kind of move the sticks with him. So he's kind of a guy that is going to catch the short stuff and kind of do the dirty work outside, or you, they're going to send him deep. All right. Now, Sheldon, there's no possible way he can grade as good as Washington, but I've got a feeling just looking at his data points and looking at some of the statistics, he doesn't probably grade too shabby. No, he's pretty solid. 15th highest graded ACC wideout. Yards per catch, pretty okay at around 13.9. He's not a big yards after catch guy, uh, and he's also not as sure-handed as, as Washington is. Only about a 58% catch rate, and also lower lower passing rating when targeted. But the main reason for that, if you want context, is that he has a very high depth of target. So about 14.6 yards is how deep he's targeted. So obviously more, more deep balls, obviously harder to catch. So that kind of explains the context of the numbers, but still a very, a very good uh, pass catcher. Hey, Tally, two things. Anything on this guy, and then I just sent you a message. Quick, a quick look at it on our uh, screen here. But you got anything on this guy? Did you get to watch him or see any highlights from him, like you did, uh, Malik? Yeah, he's just, um, he's just a big wide receiver, man. He's a you kind of a matchup nightmare. When you start looking at his size, uh, like you said, he can move the change for you. Um, Good downfield receiver. He's he's shown it by the yards that he has. But once again, it comes down to our defense. You know, they play some good defenses. They play some good players. But you know, we'll see what our what our secondary can do. 
Yeah, we'll see how the secondary can do. And we're going to talk about a few more offensive players than we normally do uh, this week, y'all, because the next guy I want to talk about is I do want to talk about the quarterback, and that is Anthony Calandre, um, a uh, six-foot, 200-pound quarterback out of Lakewood High School in St. Petersburg, Florida, a consensus 84 when he came out back in the class of 2023. So he is a true freshman. He has played a lot. The red shirt's already gone from him. Not a lot of crazy offers, Middle Tennessee, Buffalo. So not a highly touted guy coming back. Probably his next best offer was probably Kentucky, but we don't know how committable offers are. So far this season, he's played in seven games. And in those seven games, we have 1,715 yards at about 62% completion percentage, 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions, also two fumbles lost. Brian, uh, what's he showing on the tape there? Yeah, he's kind of a pass-first dual-threat guy. He's got enough wiggle to be dangerous, but he's not like elite in that category. Um, great accuracy on deep balls. That's what he likes to throw the most. Uh, really good at maneuvering in the pocket to buy time. Um, just average to mid, you know, when it comes to reading uh, in the intermediate area of the defense, especially over the middle. Um, generally looking to drive the ball downfield or check it down. He's not hitting a lot of those intermediate <coughs> targets uh, consistently. And uh, he will throw some picks, as you alluded to there, with, uh, with the 78 ratio. Um, he'll, he'll let the ball go to the defense some. So that's an opportunity we have to get some turnovers and get some points on the board. All righty. Uh, Tally, were you able to find it? Yeah, so as reported by Mike Barber, <laughs> uh, UVA's quarterback says, quote, after the game versus Tech, after we beat Virginia Tech, this program is going to sh- shoot up and everybody in the country is going to know about us, unquote. Any comment on that, Mr. Tally, for a team that's 3-8? and eight? Hey, man, he trying to. He trying to let his nuts hang, you know. He got he got his rival coming to his house. He's feeling good coming off of his third win of the season. I'll probably be talking some shit too, you know. <laughs> but you gotta be hey, Ti said it best. Don't let your mouth write a check your ass can't cash. So <laughs> we gonna see. We gonna see what this defense gonna do. We I are mean, the last thing I would do as a as a three win team is try to add fuel to. it. You know, the other team's fire, but he's letting his nut thing, but he's letting his nut thing that, you know, if if they beat a five win Virginia Tech, they're all of a sudden a national uh a, a team to watch on a national stage. That that's kind of a that's an odd flex, but you know. Yeah. A freshman flex. You know what? I got it. I got in trouble with one of those against Bridgewater too, so back in the day. So I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna get it get down on him too much. <laughs> all right. Sheldon, anything on Calandra that you notice stat-wise, anything like that? He really struggles a lot when he's blitz. I also found in terms of average time to throw, about 2.7 seconds, which is middle of the pack. He's very good when he has at least 2.5 seconds to throw, which is where the PFF makes the cutoff, but struggles a lot with less than 2.5 seconds. Now, some of those splits can be, you know, not exactly what you think. Sometimes a guy might have a better passer rating when he has less time to throw, because if that's what the offense demands, like, you know, you get the ball out quickly, but in UVA's case, they need more time to throw because they are a little bit more reliant on deep balls. And obviously those routes take longer to develop. So when he has at least 2.5 seconds, about 17 yards, average depth of target, 
and when he has less than 2.5 seconds to throw, he's thrown four interceptions. So bottom line, and we'll talk about this in our keys of the game, get to the quarterback. 100% get to the quarterback. All right, we're going to talk about one more guy here, Brian. We're going to talk about Kobe Pace, running back, five foot ten, 215 pounds, Cedartown, Georgia, came out. 247 is a three-star, one of the top 35 running backs in the country when he came out last year. Again, this is another true freshman in this case. And if you take a look at his sort of profile recruiting, he uh, went to Clemson first. He was in Clemson, excuse me, as a transfer. So he is a third-year player here. Had a lot of good offers coming out of high school. Um, I'm seeing on here Auburn. We're seeing Duke. We're seeing some interest from Georgia Tech, Michigan, Nebraska, NC State. So, he was definitely one of those players that a lot of people pegged. And so far this season, solid season so far. Um, well, maybe not solid. Kind of like below. 368 yards, only one touchdown, less than three and a half per carry. Um, and, Brian, you've already mentioned a little bit about him earlier, but let's let's just break it down. Yeah, man, much like your boy hits the whole hard, runs through arm tackles. Um, he uh, – Finishes the run strong. He's not as effective uh, outside the tackles as he is between the tackles. I think Curtis is freezing up on us here again there. So uh, we caught a little bit of this before we went live. So right. uh, ig- ignore the, uh, the the awkward freeze frame here. Um, but, uh, yeah, Pace is not a home run threat. He's not a guy that's going to get a ton of yards um, as, he's, uh, as he's running there. He's more of a guy that's going to kind of get those gashes here and there, move the sticks, get that kind of – you know, good five or six yards on first down. Um, but but he's not a guy that's going to be a home run threat. But the way they are able to hit the, the home run threat through the passing game, he's really a good complement for what they're doing right now. And uh, and I'll just kind of go ahead and pivot since Curtis is uh, is, is, is MIA here. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the offensive line because that that's always what we are. Uh, we are an offensive line podcast here. So we got we to gotta talk about the offensive line. And – Overall, this is a bad unit, guys. Um, it's really hard to even say what they struggle with the most when I look at it on tape. Um, rushing attack is is good enough at times to complement the deep ball, especially with pace in there because he can kind of get some of those uh, extra yards when he's dragging uh, defenders and things like that. But um, they go for long stretches where the running game kind of can get stale on them, and that, that hurts their passing game. Uh, and they also surrender a lot of sacks. So really there's no – good metric for them. I mean, I can let Sheldon uh, talk about their uh, their numbers a little bit here, but just lo- looking at them on tape, they're not really good or stand out in any you know, one area. We need to find who that Parker Clemens is and attack that motherfucker. Whoever <laughs> he is, go at him. Yeah, for sure. Well, you mentioned the running backs. Their, their running back explosive play numbers are pretty bad. I mean, I know that you know, uh, Pace and, and Hollins are, you know, at the bottom of the barrel in terms of, you know, generating big plays in the running game. Now, some of that, of course, you know, obviously the offensive line. So, um, you know, just digging into some of their numbers. Pass protection, it's been really, really bad for UVA. So they have the second worst pass block efficiency grade in the ACC. They lead the ACC in sacks and total pressures allowed. So UVA is, you know, they, they don't throw the ball necessarily a huge amount. It's probably middle of the pack. But the fact that they've given up so many pressures, with that being said, is is pretty is a, is a pretty bad sign for them. So they just they haven't been able to do anything on the ground. They have not been able to pr- protect the quarterback, and you know as you can see, it's a it's a struggling offense. 
Yeah, I mean, they definitely struggled just watching them. It's been very up and down. Uh, even in the Duke game where they had some standout moments on offense, they would have stretches where they just struggled to move the ball. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see you know, if we can come out and set the tone a little bit defensively and kind of get them out of what they like to do and what they do well. And if we're bringing, bringing those pressures like uh, like Sheldon alluded to, if we're, if we're blitzing them, if we're getting uh, to them quickly with our edge rushers, um, how much of a long day it can be uh, for, uh, for AC there. Um, let's go ahead and flip over to the defensive side here. Um, you know, this is a John Radzinski defense, um, hybrid multiple front scheme. Curtis is back in the building here. Hey, we made it to defense without you, man. Good job guys. (laughs) Teamwork there. There we go. So, uh, yeah, as I was saying, this is a hybrid multiple front scheme, uh, predicated on stopping the run. Um, they bring a lot of different looks and pressures. Um, they're pretty solid on first and second down. They struggle a lot on third down, not not a lot of sacks either. They don't get after the quarterback very well. So um, that's kind of what you can expect from the defensive side from a scheme perspective. Um, Sheldon, I don't know if you have any uh, any statistics on them that you want to bring in before we move on to the players here. Yeah, so just a couple. I know Curtis asked about their, their defensive line metrics. So... It's been pretty rough this year. They are 121st nationally in success rate against, so right around 46%. And the running game, their run defense has actually been worse, 125th in success rate. So, you know, they, they let up 27 against against Duke. I mean, it just, you know, it's, it, again, it, it's a team that's been up and down. They've been playing a little bit better. You know, they gave up 45 points to Georgia Tech and then had an okay performance against Louisville, who obviously has a really good offense. So, it's just a question of what what UVA team do you get? But certainly the season metrics would tell you that this is a, a, a defense and a run defense in particular that has really struggled. All righty. And when I hear something like that and I take a look at the leading tackler, and that's the first guy we're going to talk about, it's Jonas Sanker. Um, Jonas Sanker, six foot, 190-pound safety for this team. 97 tackles, three tackles for loss, no picks, 10 pass deflections and several forced fumbles out there uh, when he came out in the class of 2021. Um, another one who stayed home. He went to the Covenant School. That might be 10 miles from UVA's campus. He was ranked as an 85, the 33rd best player in Virginia. Other interests, Boston College, Air Force, uh, in Ohio with a few other uh, looks from FCS school. So not the biggest one there, but uh, – Brian, what are you seeing from him? Because that is a lot of tackles for a safety, regardless where they play. Yeah, and you know, we you know we talked about it. It's a hybrid multiple front. Their base uh, package is a four-two-five, and he is a true rover box safety. Um, he's in the box a lot. They like to bring him on run blitzes and in obvious passing situations. So they'll blitz him, um, you know, first through third down there. Um, hard hit, hitter and solid tackler as, as evidenced by the force fumbles there. Um, he can get turned around in zone coverage though. They don't use him a ton, uh, in that capacity. Um, but I mean, he, he's really the, the defensive player that kind of pops off for them. Uh, when you, when you watch the tape, cause he's a, he's a little bit of, he's all over the place. And he's making some plays. Yeah, he'll come right. up and hit you. You better hit him. Don't, don't shy away from the contact. You got to start early and often. You got to go at him, and you got to not be scared. So, exactly, right. yeah, yeah. He's definitely somebody that if you can hit him back a little bit. You can kind of you know take his game back to him and you know put him on his heels. Mm-hmm. All righty. 
So again, it's what Callie said several times, what Brian mentioned, what we've all talked about. Don't let him set the tone. He comes and hits up, throw the shoulder into him, let him come down with you and talk to shit as he goes mm-hmm. down. All righty. So let's talk about the defensive line next, as we you know already heard from Shelton. <clears throat> Has been some issues there, but one guy that kind of stood out to me was Aaron Fuamui. Class of 2018 was an 84 when he came out. He is from Kapole High School in Kapola, Hawaii. He is a long, long way from home, but he is a big boy. Six foot two, 302 pounds. And so far this year, um, so far for his career, solid career so far. UVA has been there now six years. Last two years combined for 62 tackles, 12 tackles for lost five sacks. This year, not quite the campaign of the last two years. Only 30 tackles, no sacks, six and a half tackles for loss. Um, but one interesting piece, three pass deflections, which is pretty high on this team. Tells him he likes to get those hands up. Brian, what are we seeing with Aaron? Yeah, he's uh, he's going to play that three technique in their base package. Um, slide to a four, four eye when they're showing those three-man fronts, with the, which they'll do on occasion. Um, probably their strongest run defender overall. Uh, good with his hands and sheds blocks pretty well there in the trenches. Um, and he'll push the pocket occasionally on those dropbacks. But, again, this isn't a team that gets a, a ton of sacks. But um, he's definitely a guy that can kind of speed up the quarterback's timing a little bit with that. All right, Sean, you said you had something on uh, Aaron here. Yep. So you look at stops on PFF, which is a tackle considered a loss for the defense. Famui is third in ACC with 19 stops in the season. So, you know, his grades aren't quite as high, but, you know, he's going to make he's going to make a lot of big tackles. All righty. Tally, anything you notice on tape with him or anything you notice just reading about him? or <clears throat> Played him every year. We're kind of familiar with their players and, and how they play. He's been there for a while, and he does his job, you know, not super flashy, but kind of like Brian says, he's he's good against the run. He sheds, he sheds uh, blockers good. Uh, offensive line got to do some work, man. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to give us some yards. You know, if they give Tootin some room, he can, he'll make this defense pay. But they gotta, they gotta go get it. Yeah, big, big thing is getting those a good first step, getting your hands on him, mm-hmm. making sure he's not getting your hands down, getting like a quick swim or a rip uh, without significant contact, because that's really where he makes his hay. Um, is using those hands and kind of getting away from that blocker real quick in the snap. So if you can get get on him, engage him a little bit, um, that'll slow up what he does best. All righty. Well, let's look to one more piece on the defense here, and let's take a look at the linebacker room. Got a number of guys to choose from. I, I went with the guy that's a little bit closer to uh, Virginia Tech than the other ones, and that was James Jackson, the six foot three, two hundred twenty five pound <coughs> linebacker. I believe he is the will on this team. Um, Eighty four when he came out in two thousand and twenty one. Went to North Cross High School in Roanoke. I think we're all familiar with that one. And right now, having a really good junior season, redshirt sophomore season, however you want to say it, 76 tackles, four for loss, one pick, one sack, three pass deflected as well. Brian, what are we seeing with James Jackson? Yeah, I mean, he's he's not really that guy that's going to really pop off on tape, but what he is, he's a very disciplined linebacker in the run game. He's very few mistakes. He's not out of place very often. Um, he's not a guy getting blocked five, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. 
Um, sheds blockers pretty well. Um, sure tackler. Um, solid when he's in zone responsibilities. Um, he does lack some athleticism for coverage, especially in those uh, man-to-man situations. But he's kind of one of those guys that's just, you know, fundamentals and discipline are pretty good, so he ends up making a ton of plays. All righty. Tally, anything on him? I know, Tally, you mentioned uh, Robinson, right? Yeah, Cam, Cam Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, I know we didn't have him down, but, you know, recruiting battle that we lost to UVA, and he's a freshman uh, linebacker that's just – he's a good player. I think he's got a couple of sacks on the season. I mean, a couple of picks on the season. I don't know about his sacks, but uh, if you watch him play, he's just sideline to sideline, man. You know, not – of course, he's a freshman, so he's not going to be quite as a handful as Peyton Wilson was, but he's a good linebacker. You know, his time there, if he stays at UVA, he'll he'll do some good stuff there because he's a good ball player. Yeah, he, he's got great athleticism, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, he's still learning to play the position at this level. So he's, he's sometimes out of place. He's sometimes not doing, you know, everything you want him to do, but he does it fast. He does it – at 100 miles per hour, um, and he looks the part. He doesn't look yeah. out of place out there. So that, that that's no. big for a true freshman. <clears throat> All right. Boys, let's click it over and let's talk about the Hokie Keys to this game. Brian, you got your name up here first, so I'm going to let you kick it off. What do we have to do to have success in this game? I know it's a broken record, but we need a fast start on both sides. And um, I'm talking about at least a touchdown advantage after the first quarter. Um, I said it at the open, they score a lot of points on their first two drives, probably like 30, 30% or something of their scoring has come on their first two drives of the game. So it's a, it's a pretty high percentage. Um, if we can slow them down out the gate and we can get a, a score or two ourselves, I'll feel really good about the way the, the game will go after that. All righty. Sheldon, what you got? Got to get to the quarterback. Got to make Calandra uncomfortable and bring him down. Like I said, UVA is a team that relies on on deep throws. And when Calandria has time to throw, he is very effective. So we need to get APR cooking. I need more from him. I have not seen as much as I would like over the past few games. So so get him get him going and get some sacks. That's, uh, that's going to be big. And that's how that just, you know, bring pressure. Trust your cornerbacks. I think they're going to hold up well in man coverage. And uh, I think VT is going to have to outscore UVA this weekend. Tally, what about you? Time of possession and don't turn the ball over. Do not turn the ball over. You win the game. All righty. I'm going to go with this one right here. Uh, He says don't turn the ball over. Force turnovers. This team is one of the worst in the country. They are 116th. They have 18 turnovers this year total. 18. That's a lot. That's almost two a game. We need – I think we can get at least one pick because I think there's going to be situations because if you look at the data, they do get, they, they they also give up a lot of sacks. They've given up uh, – let me look at the numbers here – 37 sacks this year. They've given up a ton of tackles for loss. We're going to put them in bad situations. Kalenji's going to throw at least one pick. I think, two. we could probably run away with the game. Um, but if we only get one, it's going to be tight, and I can definitely foresee one based on how he plays – um, also, he likes to talk shit, so he's probably going to challenge somebody and get his ass burnt. Don't so bail them out on those third and longs, though. No. Do not no. bail them out. Yep, no. do not bail. 
All right, well, it's time for predictions and big screeners, boys. This segment presented by Prize Picks, Prize Picks Daily Fantasy app, where you make entries based on players' projected outcomes, and they will match any deposit up to $100 when you sign up using BC Picks or use the QR code there. You can see it, and it is not just for football season. It's for basketball. It's for baseball, so you can do this all year around. Let's have a look at it here, and let's go to our predictions. Brian, I don't know what order you have them in. Do you have Sheldon first? Sheldon's leading off. We're just going to go back around the horn to me. All right. Sheldon, what you got on this one? Yep, I think it's going to be a high-scoring ball game. I got Tech winning just because, well, it's UVA, and we own them. So even though I do have some trepidations about this game, I do think the Hokies will win a close ball game. So give me Tech. All right. I am right there uh, with Shelton. I've got this as a not quite as high scoring as he probably has, and I've got it a 30 to 20 victory for the Hokies. I think we jump out on them early. Um, I think we establish ourselves on offense. Uh, I think we make make them play catch up a little bit uh, when we can tee off on them with our pass rushers and put them in bad situations, force a couple turnovers, and that's the difference in the game. All righty. Now I'm next. Tally, you get to go last. I, 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 I thought I'd go last. Um, I'm with the Hokies on this one as well. I think it is going to be – I hope it is not my prediction. I hope it is much worse than my prediction. But I think the Hokies are going to take this game. We are the more talented team. We have more experience on our side. Um, and I think we take this game 27-20 to 20 at Lane Stadium North. Tally, you get to wrap this one up. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Virginia Tech. I'm gonna go VT on this one. I had been fading the Hokies. Didn't work last week. <laughs> I was hoping we'd get a win when I uh, when I picked North Carolina State, but I, I honestly think we win this game. Uh, even my prediction before the season started, when I went through and you know you picking teams and stuff, I kind of felt like it would come down to us going there and having to get a win to be bowl eligible. And I just think that you know. It's time, you know. This is this is what we this is what we need to do. Uh, and again, with the quarterback adding a little bit more fuel to the fire, I think that uh, yeah. I think we go and get the win. I don't have a prediction just yet, but I think we get the win. Yeah, and I, and I think it's this, and I think it's not only this podcast, but I think it's team. I think the coaches, and I think this fan base need that bowl. I think it's a mental thing. There are a lot of people that are screaming, "Not a successful season." Bad season. If we, you, you know, mm-hmm. you, you you look at the steps and all that. I think you go in there and we take the win Saturday. Things are looking up for a lot of people. That's so let, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about okay. that a little bit since we're right. here. We can do it. Is uh, is this season a failure if we don't make a bowl? Because I mean that that's been a big big piece of chatter out there on the Twitter sphere. Um, when I look at it, and uh, I'll shout out Pete B here because Pete B kind of started this discourse. Um, when we look at whether it's a failure or success, I think it's a little more nuanced than that because I think there are I've seen enough building blocks where I am comfortable with what we're working with so i would not call this season a failure but it would certainly be a disappointment to not make a bowl and not make a bowl by losing to your in-state rival that on paper 
should not beat you. So it would be a disappointment, but not an absolute failure in my eyes. Tally? Yeah, I wouldn't say it would be a failure just because of, um, like Brian said, some of the building blocks that we found. You know, I feel like we found some wide receivers. We found some uh, stud quarterback. We found a stud running back, depending on how that goes into next year, uh, knowing what we got. But we've evaluated some good talent and brought in some good talent. So I wouldn't say that the season is a failure compared to what we did last year, uh, but it would it would be disappointing to not go in and uh, go in and and win this game because of the nature of the game. You know, yeah. it's a road game. We haven't produced well on the road, blah, 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 blah. We can go into all that, but I wouldn't say it's a failure. I think Brian, the way you put it, it's the, 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 the game Saturday. If we don't win, it's losing a battle. It's not losing the war because the way the war looks like is we're taking those, like you said, building blocks. We're taking steps forward. We're evaluating talent. We're able to bring people in. And Tally, you've mentioned a couple times, especially regardless of our record, it, it's you go on the trail and say, you know, we only brought, and I was saying beforehand, Drones, Tootin, Lane, Felton. And APR on the defensive side. No knock to Canteen. I think the secondary would have been just as solid. Um without him we brought in a handful of players and we have went from getting shit on playing bad for multiple weeks looking terrible last year until the last week of the season to blowing teams out being competitive in other games three of the five, the six losses we have right now are to teams that are a combined if i can get the math right here 29 and 5 or 28 and 5 that's three of our losses. 28 and five is their record. Think about that. So, um, and two I of those losses that, you know, are, are on the other side where did you hold that? that Cause we <laughs> need to get the liquor flowing to have that conversation. The liquor will be flowing. To have we're not ready for that one. We're going to we save that one for December 22nd. Mark your calendars. Evan, Evan Williams, mark your calendars, December 20, Evan Williams up top there. Moonshine below me. Four finger scotches and whatever Shelton's gonna drink that night. All right, whatever you're gonna drink that night, because you let it all hang loose. All right, well, guess what? We got other games to pick here because it is rivalry week, and to me, this is the week that makes college football. Right? We were going through throwing games out there that we were looking at, and this is the week that makes college football because crazy shit happens this week. And it's fun to pick up even when the teams aren't necessarily on the same trajectory record wise. You damn right. You damn right it is. All right, Tally, you got the first one. What is your pick for uh, this week? What did I have? Who did I have? Did I have uh, Ole Miss and yeah, the Egg Bowl? Yeah, the Egg Bowl. Yeah, you be um, Thanksgiving Day eating you some turkey and dressing. Gotta have a cranberry sauce. I don't know if y'all do giblet gravy. Put all that on there. Have your nice plate. Watch the Egg Bowl. Um, but I'm gonna take Ole Miss in that game. I just, I mean, Mississippi State just fired a coach. I think Ole Miss is the better team. <clears throat> All righty. Who's the next one behind there? Shelton, who you got on this game? Mississippi State breaking a new head coach. Give me Ole Miss. I think, I think Kiffin's going to have those boys ready to play. All right. Uh, Brian, who are you taking? I'm chasing this one with Ole Miss as well, man. Um, 
you know, when you get a new coach in there, it's going to go one or two ways. You're either going to overplay your hand or you're going to just come out there and put a dud out there. I feel like this has dud written all over it, so give me Ole Miss. All right. So a couple things before I, before I announce my selection here. The game is in Starkville. So if you got multiple TVs, put it on the one that you ain't got the sound on unless you want to hear cowbells all night. That's one. <laughs> Two. Old Mississippi State is one win away from being bowl eligible. One win. Three. Have we not seen some of the craziest shit in this game over the last, like, ten years? The, the home – what was his name that got the touchdown – did the dog pissing thing? They missed the Elijah extra Moore. point. Elijah yeah. Moore, the dog missed the extra point because they got packed up. So many wild things happened in this game. It was a seven thirty kick, but in this reality, Ole Miss is on the verge of potentially getting a um, potentially getting a New Year's Six bowl. They're nine and two. They go. They do go ten and two. Um, I wish we didn't have the hook. Because I believe it could be a ten point game, but I'm I'm gonna go with Lane like in the run up to score and he'll score one late to win by fourteen. Mm-hmm. All righty, what's the next one? Oh, I'm the next one, Brian. You're the next one. We go out west. We go to Eugene, Oregon. We go to the Civil War, Oregon State, Oregon. Ow. That game on Saturday night, I watched just about all. I got back home, watched just about all of Oregon. In Washington, and that was a great game to watch. Great game. Two well-matched teams. So when I looked at this game, it's a lot of rivalry, a lot of bitter hatred. Um, Oregon leaving the conference next year. If y'all didn't notice, Oregon State and uh, Washington State have basically been given the okay. They will be a two-team conference next year. Wow. I don't know how that works. but That's fun. That's got to <laughs> be fucking fun. Oh, my God. <laughs> but in this case um, – you know, Oregon on the doorstep. I think Oregon's already clinched it. Oregon potentially chance to again potentially could win the Pac-12. Could potentially go to the playoffs if things break right. But thirteen and a half is just too much in a game like this, especially. And I know Oregon State is like heartbroken, but ain't nothing like having the boys just up the street. Give me Oregon State. Take the 13 and a half game a lot closer than people are predicting. Tally. I'm just going to, I'm going to take Oregon, man. They're trying to get Bo Nix to Heisman. So they're going to try to let him sling it as much as they can. Uh, they're going to try to run that score up with a, uh, a good, a good opponent in a rivalry game. Uh, I'm taking Oregon. Sheldon. Oregon is eight, two and one against the spread this season. They're playing hot. I like the ducks. Alrighty, and Mr. Siegler. I'm riding with what Curtis is spitting there. Um, I think this is going to be a tighter game than I think people are looking at. Um, I think it's still probably going to be a 10-point victory for the Ducks, but I think that uh, it's going to be pretty close there down to the end. All righty, as Brian puts Oregon State on the board. Brian, you've got the next one. What rivalry game did you choose? Had to go with Gators and FSU after the Jordan Travis situation. This is oh, going to be a uh, it's a, a very interesting uh, matchup here because you got you know undefeated Florida State still trying to keep their hopes alive here for the college football playoff ACC championship is already the game is already booked there. 
Um, but obviously, you know, winning the championship is still at play here. So this is this is going to be an interesting matchup here. I think Florida is a good matchup, especially with uh, with Travis out there. But I think it's just going to be too much uh, talent on the Seminole side. So give me Florida State. All righty. Yep, I'm up next on this one. A little Sunshine State showdown. Um, I think Florida State is going to win the game. But without Jordan Travis, I don't think they're going to quite blow out Florida. Like we're saying, I think this is going to be a tight one. I do think Tate Rodemaker is probably good enough to lead them over the Gators, although the Gators, are again, are playing for um, – Gators are playing for bowl eligibility. So, uh, give me the Gators. Give me the points. Tally? I'm going to take Florida State. I think Florida's quarterback is hurt. As well, their starting quarterback is hurt, if I'm not mistaken. Um, again, Jordan Travis is an amazing player. I hate that his college career comes to an end like that. Yeah, uh, but he got nothing to hold his head down. I mean, he he brought Florida State back to relevancy. So uh, I'm going to go Florida State. And Shelton. Yeah, I'm going Florida. I think – they're playing on the road. FSU's playing on the road. I think they're going to they're going to take some time to get adjusted to the new quarterback. So give me give me Florida. All righty, all righty. So we got that one. Sheldon, you got to pick the next one. What game did you choose? Uh, well, have to uh, look at it. Um, I believe I had the game. Is that correct? Yep. So Ohio State, Michigan. I was just talking about it with a friend earlier this evening. This game might honestly be the most consequential and important college game in the last 10 years. I know that might sound crazy, but when you look at what's at stake with Ohio State potentially losing three straight to Michigan, CFP hopes on the line, national title hopes on the line, Michigan with all the stuff they've gone through this season and the the after effect that would happen if they lost to Ohio State, this is such a huge game. I cannot even put into words how big of a game this is. So with that being said, I am going with Ohio State to cover minus 2.5. 3.5. You got a three and a half cover. It, I think the line moved down before we picked it. So three and a half. All righty, Brian, what are you saying on this one? I think Michigan's got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder with everything that they got going on this season. I think that Ohio State is going to give them a, a good shot early, but I think it's going to be too much Michigan in the end. Um, I think it is going to come down to about a, about a six point game there, but I, I got the Wolverines coming out on top on this one. All righty. And I am picking next. And two really good defenses. I think we both see that, two elite defenses. And like you said, everything that's been going on all season, you know, especially with the whole Harbaugh thing and now the stuff that did Ryan Day hire the private investigator to start all this shit. Um Saturday, this game's in Ann Arbor. The Hyatt game kick is going to be 32 degrees. It is going to be clear, a little slight breeze of five miles an hour. And I think this is going to be old school Big Ten war. War. I mean, I think I see this game like 2017. And I think Michigan is going to win this game, potentially on a last second like field goal. But that hook, give me Ohio State. State covers. Give me Michigan. They got coaches up there crying like Harbaugh did. I mean, <laughs> you can't lose when you got that much emotion, can you? Shoot, give me Michigan. 
All righty, all righty. Brian, what did we pick for the last? Because these are some great rivalries. Commonwealth Cup up top, Egg Bowl, Civil War, Sunshine Showdown, the game. What's our last one? Iron Bowl, baby. Tally, we did that for you. That's a good one. We did it for that's you. Gonna, that's going to dictate. That's going to dictate about two weeks for me. <laughs> if that crimson and white team lose, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of wives in the hospital. Oh shit! With black eyes and, and busted lips. Get <laughs> with bill bottles and all types of shit, Brian. That was it. How one, many TVs are gonna get have to get purchased? 35. I can't remember my man that's on TikTok. The old dude. I think his name is Willie. Go look up Alabama fan Willie on TikTok, and you you gonna see. What Alabama fans feel about Auburn and how they act. All righty. Well, let's pick the game now. Bama is laying 14 and a half points. Um, Auburn lost to the Jerry Kill led New Mexico State Lobos. I think he's Jer- Lobo Jerry Kill team. Truthers. Nine and three. We're out, out there. there. Great job. If, if, why did we just hire him to be the offensive coordinator <laughs> back in 2019? Shit. Know, all right. All right. Brian, who you got in this one? Uh, after that performance last week by Auburn, I'm I'm leaning Bama on this one. I think it's about 17 is going to be the final. Alabama's playing as good as I've seen them play here this year. Obviously, they had a rough September, but they've really turned it around, got their legs under them in October, and have really, last three or four weeks, have been playing some really good football. So I'm going to take Bama here. All righty. I got to be a little different here. I'm going to take Auburn because I don't think they can potentially play as bad as they did last weekend. Hugh Freeze does have sort of a knack for having Nick Saban's number. I don't think he has the talent. I don't think he is quite there yet with uh, Auburn. But I, I just because how Bama plays this year, and I know they've scored more over the last few weeks, I think I can take 14 and a half. I'll probably be sitting here on Saturday afternoon, hopefully – enjoying, you know, 56 nothing on this TV and watching the end of the Bama game over here with it being like a 14-point win, 13-point win for Bama. Uh, so, give me the points. Tally, how are you feeling on this one? You, I got to take Bama, man. I got to take Bama. Uh, they're just clicking at the right time uh, right now. Um, Hugh Freeze has got some work to do as far as putting some people in place. It's, Quarterback position is where he's got to get a little bit better. But I will say, I will say, like Curtis said, uh, he has a knack for beating Nick Saban. He knows how to beat Saban. Uh, I just don't think he's going to do it uh, this week. Am I on an island by myself, Shelton? Yes. <laughs> I'll take Bama. I feel like they've gotten better every week, and for some reason, people just don't really talk about them because you know teams like Washington, Oregon, and Michigan are sort of the 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 hot topics. But they've just—I mean, if you look at what they've done since the USF game, I mean, they've been really, really good. So yeah. I, I, t- I take Bama to roll. All right, he says Bama roll. All righty. So Brian. Tally, Sheldon, has anything broken since we started an hour and 34 minutes ago? Uh, we can go ahead and announce that uh, next Tuesday we will have Pete B on air with us, joining us right. to uh, break down whatever happens at UVA this week and to talk a little uh, championship week. Peter. Peter B from Too Deep. Awesome. Good to hear that. Glad we got confirmation up on that. Well, 
Boys, y'all got anything else tonight before we wrap it up? We better fucking win. I'm going to tell you that right now. Andretti going to lose his mind if we lose. <laughs> Andretti will be in his feelings. I love Andretti because Andretti gets on the live stream feed and he he gets his points out there 30, 40, 50 minutes before we even go on air. I love yeah, that. Andretti be ready. He sets the tone, man. He's he been, he been holding this shit since Saturday. He's trying to get it out. <laughs> Gotta get it out. Gotta get yeah. it out. He's like, it's Tuesday. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there right now. I don't care. He knows we'll get to it. He knows, he knows Andretti, we'll get to it. it. Andretti, we got to go to a game next year, man. You got to let us know what game you're going to. We got to get there. Got to, got to, got to. All right, fellas, that is wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Jonathan Taylor. And I am Shelton Moss. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerBT.com, to listen to all of our episodes. Check the merchandise shop out while you're there. Uh, yep, there, there it is right there. You can purchase one of those. Follow us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube. Thank you all very much out there. We cracked 300 YouTube subscribers last week, kind of a goal we had, had set for ourselves, and we have now hit it. We also are on all the podcast sources. You can thank us, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts. Jason Long plays us in, plays us out. JasonLongMusic.com, where you can find all of his music, Apple, Spotify, his YouTube and Facebook accounts. Uh, Jason messaged us today. Jason, think he did he think he tore something, or did he just think he pulled a muscle at wrestling practice? I think it's just a pull, but the doctors have to confirm. Yeah, Jason, you're too old to be out there with them kids, man. Well, he's, he's trying to teach them, man. So you know, he's he's doing good things. He's, he's getting down there. Sometimes it's hard to get back up, though. All righty. Yeah. Well, that is going to wrap up it. Let's. We thank you all for always listening. And as always, let's go. Okay. okay.